Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of All Fighters Follow Me, an Armchair Adventures podcast. I'm Moff Ted. And I'm Senator Faith. And I'm Admiral Matthew Ansley. Matthew is joining us all the way from D.C., and he played with us today in the Minnesota Regionals, and we are super lucky to have him. I'm happy to be here. Thanks thanks to both of you for hosting me up here. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So, the Primes took place today at FFG Game Center, and we had 20 people show up. 22. Okay, you told That's, us 22. It's it was 22. And I was going to say 22, but I forgot the second number. So, <laughs> we had 22 people show up, um, and we had a lot of good games. We had some folks from Chicago, we had some folks from Iowa, Wisconsin. Nebraska. And Nebraska. One and dude from Nebraska. One, one dude from someplace that actually has oceans. Uh, we've decided to have join us as a talk today, as he's a guest. So, start us off, what is your favorite commander to play? So, it's really hard for me to not play Thrawn at this point, after Nova, after, so I played Thrawn a lot right when he came out last year. I was coming off a lot of time flying Sloan and a lot of time flying JJ. Um, Moff Gerard. Um and I wanted something different, so I kept playing around with Squadronless Thrawn. I uh, happened on the combo that turns out if you have a Navigate Dial and a Concentrate Fire Dial, you can solve a lot of problems with just weight of fire. Um, and it's he's been uh, that's more or less been my go-to admiral ever since. Um, yeah, didn't bring him today because he costs an arm and a leg. Yeah. As he should. <laughs> Thrawn is an exceptionally good. Yeah, an exceptionally powerful commander. We did we have talked about him before, um, but like just as a reminder, he is the one that you get to stack three command dials, and through the game you get to choose one of them off your stack and say, All of my ships get this command this round. It is often squadrons. Say so it's often squadrons. That was the prediction when it came out from a lot of the better members of the Armada community. Uh, cannot get your ship out. It was completely of the opinion that eventually someone would find a Thrawn squadron list that worked. Uh, this is the notorious two ship. It's called Bob Barker. <laughs> you call it Bob Barker. People that um, believe in fun call it Bob Barker. I mean, <laughs> you could make the argument that nobody plays that list and believes in fun. Um, Valid. But the, I wanted to try something different, so I've been using him for, well. If you have Slicers or Cham, he's my Navigate commands, because rule one of Armada is always be navigating. If you don't have a way to screw with my command stack, he will be Concentrate Fire. Because, um, as anybody on the Discord knows, um, one of Atlanta's better players, Jamie Naismith, um, hi Jamie, um, is a huge fan of Cham, and I have lost more ISDs than I care to think about to Cham running up and being like, no, you were at speed three, you have no navigates for three turns, and you're about speed four distance away from the board edge. You have fun with this. Right. Yeah, that's always fun. I would also say I would be quite tickled if Jamie listens to this podcast. I don't think we... I don't know if we have that quite that reach yet. Maybe. Yeah. We'll see. Well, but now that you're on it, maybe he'll... Think. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Atlanta still claims me as one of their own. Um... Like I say, like Faith said, I came up here from the D.C. area. I live in the Washington, D.C. area now. So now, how about favorite ship? So, favorite ship that I don't feel bad about calling favorite is the MC-75. It's... I'm a big naval history guy, so the way I like to describe it is it's a treaty battleship. It's good at what it is, but it was intended to be a little bit cheap, and it's not perfect. The MC-75, the big dif weakness, in my opinion, is that defense tokens are super easily overheated. It really hates dealing with multiple attacks at the same time. So that's kind of, it's you, you got to play around that. But it's got a lot of firepower. It's very flexible. It can go on a lot of lists. The, the MC-75, as a reminder, has one brace and one redirect and two contains. It has the exact same defense suite as a interdictor, which once they get through that brace or they get that redirect spent, 
if you're taking a lot of squadron shots, if you're taking a lot of small hits and you need to be wanting to spread around the shields and you're taking that in the same hull zone, it adds up very quickly. Yep, the MC-75s really hate squadrons being attacked by squadrons and they're really not thrilled about handling an MSU all at once. They really don't like doing that. Uh, the other ship that I would mention, and we can debate this a little bit, that I think is a little undercosted, would be the Kuat, the MC-75's Imperial equivalent. Where you can just run in, run up to somebody, use Darth Vader boarding team, and just be like, all right, your electronic countermeasures, your damage control officer, yeah, you don't have those anymore, whichever one you have. And then here's a bunch of assault concussion missiles. Oh yeah, and I'm an ISD, so you're not gonna one-shot me when you try to leave. You gotta work through me. And I'm throwing back all this damage. Yeah, mm -hmm. which is, as we talked about last last episode and our trip to Chicago, where I was running the exact same type of kuat, it it does does a lot of work. It, it's a very powerful brawler. My personal opinion, and I wrote a not short piece about this this week. We could perhaps um, link that in our uh, show notes and Instagram. So you can link it um, if you guys are curious. Just jump on the forum. Search belay that order is what I keep titling these things, and it'll be the most recent one, something like Fundamentals of Tactics. And I walk through... I don't... So a lot of people talk about the Kuat as a brawler. I think that's not incorrect, but a lot of people will let it sit in combat for a lot of time. And if you're running something like your list, Ted, where there's an interdictor providing targeting scramblers, there's projection experts, that'll work fine, but if it's operating on its own, um, it much prefers running up to a target, quickly killing it, um, and then just moving on. It really doesn't like protracted fights. Right, because it's often taking a lot more than it's giving out when it's going on the way in. Mm -hmm. it's, it's lack of long-range armaments compared to any other Imperial class, and most other large ships even, mm -hmm. makes it very vulnerable to that kind of Yeah, it, fight. It, it's not a very good skirmisher. It really needs to get in close, and somebody who's playing KG, somebody who's playing Keep Away, can make a Kuat hurt on the way in, trying to get those black dice... And that that's my issue with people like, yeah, just get in close and stay there. It's just like, by the time you got there, you're probably missing most of a, at least a shield zone, maybe two or three. Yeah. Um, you may or may not have taken hull damage yet. Like, are you dealing with Akbar? You've probably taken hull damage by now. And at that point, yes, it's an ISD, but ISDs die just like everything else. Mm -hmm. So with those two ships, do you have preferred titles that you like to put on them? So, I'm ambivalent on both of the MC-75 titles. Um, Profundity's fun, but I don't like losing that deployment. I think mm -hmm. that's useful. Um, I'm, I'm not... My issue with Aspiration is that I always do it wrong. Um, I find it's too easily outmaneuvered. Sure. Um, so I'm not a big fan of Aspiration. For the Kuat, on the other hand, there's not a bad ISD title. Sovereign and Relentless are merely good. Um, and then you've got the Notorious Avenger. And then Chimera just walks away with the power level. The ability to have Intensify Firepower on command. Entrapment Formation to con control the range very well. I've never actually had Shields to Maximum work out for me. <laughs> I would argue that Shields to Maximum is maybe the weakest of the fleet commands at this time. Probably, because all fighters follow me. I mean, like with Liberator out now, and all fighters follow me usually only once. Um, yeah. And if you can get around needing it in other ways, but it's still really good. Like an extra speed will right. add up over uh, time. Oh, yeah. I, I played a list recently, just in a casual game with us, where... I used all fighters follow me with B-Wings, which need it. Because at speed 2, a B-Wing isn't going to do anything within the first two rounds, unless you get really lucky or... Say, the, only, the only person I know who runs B-Wings without all fighters follow me runs them with 
a pair of fighter coordination teams to push them around. Right. And I, and I had I ran into that actually. We talked about the uh, rift ambush interaction between fight con fighter control teams because I got hit with that at the Chicago event in Bad Place. Yep. It turns out when you get an extra 50% of a B-Wing's normal speed every round, that adds up really quickly. Um, but, like, All Fighters Follow Me is decent when you can use it. And then Intensify Firepower, I had one, two... Off the top of my head, two of my games at Nova were decided by the fact that I had Intensify Firepower, and I could just look at them like dice and be like, no... That's a one. That's the one I needed. Your ship is now yeah. dead. Or that's a brace bracket. That's a frequently a brace bracket. It's like, oh, I rolled six, but there's this blank black over here. I don't want a leading shots this. Eh, seven. Yeah. All right. Now, do you have a favorite squadron? I want my favorite squadron to be the defender. Um... It's a good multi-role fighter. It's tough as nails. It's very fast. Good armament in the anti-squadron role. It's just that single blue. It's consistent. It's consistently low. Um, if defenders were bomber black, I would pay an additional point for the squadron without blinking. And I could probably be talked into paying two more. Um, as far as, like, aces, um, I don't think they're, like, underrepresented at all, but I've always had great success just running the core swarm aces of Howl, Howlrunner, Valen Rudor, Mahler Mythol, Saber Squadron, and Sienna Ree. They did a lot of work today for me. Yeah, you did a, you killed a lot of squadrons today. Uh, I never lost any of the fighters, they destroyed a 134 Rebel group, uh, and I don't know how much my other two opponents brought, but they were both at least 100. And both Sloan. And both were Sloan, um, and I was not. <laughs> but it, it, it's a group where if you leave it alone, it'll jump on your back and it'll stab you to death. Yeah. And it'll do it very quickly. Um... I've played larger games, like I played a Sector Fleet game one time down in Atlanta where that 5 plus Sun tier, it's about 90 points, um, dove on a Rebel Ball of about 140 points. Um, three of the Imperial Aces survived, um, Sienna survived, Saber survived, and I want to say Sun tier was the other survivor, and none of the Rebels flew away. They, they just annihilated them. Um, on the rebel side, I mean, Hera's always good. Gonna, I love I, Hera. Mm -hmm. I, know Fa I know Faith has brought it up recently. Hera's always great. Um, and the other, the other squadron I'll pitch is occasionally overlooked is Ketsu. Uh, I know she's got a bit of a cult following up here in the north between, uh, Nathan Coda used her really well at Worlds. Um, um, but she's like... Don't think about her ace text. Her ace text is there. You will use it sometimes, but, like, double blue bomber with scatter speed for rogue. Like, she is she a... phenomenal stats. Yeah, her, her base stats are worth the 23 points. She's fast as all get out. She can chase things down. It's like, oh, that Arquitens is running away with the hull point left. Ketsu. Sick. <laughs> And she might take two rounds to catch it, but then she's going to kill it. Mm -hmm. And you spent 23 points to take down a 60-point cruiser, and the rest of your squadrons were doing whatever they were doing. Yeah, um, yeah I found the power of just having, like, even in an otherwise dedicated pushable squadron ball, having a rogue or two is very powerful. Mm -hmm. Because then late game, once your uh, pushing support for your ships is destroyed, you still have that rogue that can keep flying around. I know I've been... I've, done a couple balls where it's you know some tie fighters and and frontline stuff like my sienna gamma tie fighter uh group and then i've also tried a couple games right through a couple fire sprays or decimators in with that and i really enjoyed that fire sprays are solid squadrons their their real problem at this point is just they're expensive 
-hmm. And if you're worried about hitting a squadron superiority list, they are... Men? They're armed. They're not <laughs> TIE bombers, but that's about as positive as I can get. <laughs> like, they're three blue. They don't have swarm. Imperials only just got Woldar, who I think... I think Woldar is... Woldar is non-swarm squadrons can re-roll, right? Non-swarm squadrons can re-roll one dice that is of any color, specifically, um, when attacking other squadrons. Okay, so, so swarm light swarm for light. everything that's not swarm already. So, like, they get that, but, like, one of the things I've always found with rogue squadrons is, with a couple of exception, a couple of not specific unit exceptions, but situation exceptions, you've paid for rogue. You're usually paying an arm and a leg for it. Like, a fire spray without rogue, maybe 15 points? Yeah. And that's... A fire spray without rogue is a slightly faster, less shooty B-wing. Yeah. Uh, so when... So you don't want to activate that with your ships. You don't want to waste that the points you've spent to bring a rogue... To activate it, so you, they very rarely get flight controllers. Mm -hmm. So that that that's my issue with the fire spray is that it just doesn't have the anti squad output. It can't fight its way to the target, right? And frequently, like, so I had two lists I considered bringing today. One of them had a pair of fire sprays in it, and I'm grateful I didn't bring it because that list would have just died in the two Sloan lists that I faced. They they can't fight. Um, not efficiently at any rate. Right. So bringing those, you have to, what's one of the things you, when you're fleet building, you have to consider, all right, what do I do if I run into a squadron heavy build and I hit three of them? Yeah, which considering <laughs> that our, our area has been reasonably light on squadrons recently, I was surprised that we had a lot of squads today. Okay. Well, so I brought mine mostly because I haven't played a ton of Imperial Squadrons in a while. But I faced 134 Rebels round one. May, it may not have been exactly 134, but it was close. I'm not going to do the math. But it was like eight squads, and several of them ace. Mm -hmm. Like, Corn was in there, Dutch was in there. I want to say that's like a 128 or something. I've played against that list before. That's Eric's list. Yep, and then I had a Sloan with... Seven generic TIE Fighters and three reserve hangar decks, all of which he got to use before I killed the ships carrying them. So I had to kill effectively ten TIE Fighters, and Zertic, and Dengar, and Saber. So that's another, that's at least 110. Yeah. And then my last round was Merrick, Howl, Suntir, Sienna, two defenders, Jenden. Which is probably one teens based on my Sloan days. Because almost all of those squadrons are defender-ish priced. Yeah. That's going to be... Yeah, like the, the generic, the, the TIE fighter aces are always around a TIE defender. Yeah, and that's always my thing when I'm looking at defenders. I like them with Sloan, but I will freely admit that's idiot-proofing. The idiot in question being me. I have a bad habit of... When I go for an attack, I'll commit. And usually this works, but when you're playing Sloan, that means you've dove into the enemy fleet, and odds are you're facing overlapping flak now. And uh, what I found when Sloan came out was defenders handle that better than the conventional scatter ace builds. The scatter aces, the scatters will get burned off. Yeah. And then it's, oh, here's a three-hull fighter. Something sneeze in its direction and it'll die. <laughs> right. Whereas the same amount of damage into a defender, all of your accuracy results are now worthless. And the yep. defender's still there, it's still bombing you, and if it decides to leave, it's speed 5, it's halfway across the board as soon as it blinks. Yep. Yeah. Defenders are... I, I, was, I was thinking today, we had a few lists that had defenders in them. I think there were three players that had at least three in their squads, like three in Merrick, or like one guy had, I think, like five or six with Merrick. Yeah, those were pretty popular. And it made me really want to put some defenders and interceptors on the table again just for that anti-squad punch. Um, They're extremely efficient and generic killing. They don't like going after aces because of the black dice, but your expected damage against, like, an X-Wing... Like, if you're telling me i got to build an Imperial Squadron Ball to take on Biggs, I'm going to bring Mauler 
and I'm going to bring defenders. <laughs> because the defenders have the consistent damage output to start burning through the X-Wings yeah. that Biggs is going to have backing him up. Yeah, they're, they're very, very punchy. Uh, and they'll like survive this. the counterpunch. <laughs> I mean, I think he's good. I think he's good for the game because, I mean... This is an oversimplification, but it's also correct that Imperial Squadrons are the faction of hit first, hit hard, hope you killed them all, because if you get hit back, you're just going to kind of die. Yeah. And in order for Rebels to be able to survive that, they need defensive technology like Janors. No, it's not Yarn Luke, it's Jan. Um, <laughs> you need things like Biggs, where it's just like... Oh yeah, you've you've hit this X-wing for eleven damage, but he's got three friends, and now they're all on three, and now they're all gonna shoot back. Oh yeah, that definitely came in handy for me today. I was flying bigs in my list. Speaking of today, I think it's um, time to wrap up Command Bridge and move into aftermath. Yeah. So today at the primes. I was flying my Akbar list, which I had made some modifications to. I had my usual Akbar with Defiance, and then kitted out with Strategic Advisors, XI-7s, uh, Leading Shots, and then ECMs and Reinforced Blast Doors, just pretty, to keep it alive. A pretty standard main Super battle pickle. line. Super, Super pickle. pickle. Yep. Oh. And then... Make 30 scout with um, admonition, external racks, and Kate and Sholin. Or as I like to call them, Caitlin and Sean. <laughs> and then, usually, or past couple times I've flown this list, I had two GR75s, one with repair crews and one with um, commsnet. This time I changed it up and I replaced one of them with a CR90 and with. TRCs, uh, Lando, and Jaina's Light. Didn't you, you also dropped some squadrons on your list to do that? I also, I did have to drop some squadrons. And then I also added a few things to my other transport. Instead of just Comsnet, I also added Leia and uh, Bright Hope. As, as an Imperial main, like I dabble in my Rebels, but if you ask me what, what do I want to steal from the Rebels... And honestly, like, y you wouldn't think it, but Leia is one of the things I want to steal the most. Like, uh, obviously, I want to steal Yavaris. I want to steal Admonition. But, but if I can't have a title... Officer Leia is... I'm going to take Officer Leia. Oh, yeah. She actually came really in handy today. Um, and then for squads, I was actually really sparse on my squads. I just did Biggs and two X-Wing buddies. Because... Not a lot of people had been playing too many squadrons lately, so I just wanted to have three squads that could tie them down, at least for a few rounds. And then with Biggs, since he gets his special ability lets him share damage between escorts, yeah. they would last a little bit longer. Biggs can take a lot of hits. Mm -hmm. yep. You basically have to kill all three at once, and that's what... As a Sloan player for a long time, that was always the struggle. As you see Biggs, and you're just like, all right, this is going to take a while. <laughs> and you just have to go all in. You either have to go all in on nuking him, or you just have to spread the love and hope that eventually all of a sudden they're all on one and Mahler can come in and get like a quintuple kill. Mm -hmm. But that rarely works out that way. <laughs> right. All right. And what was your list for today? So, I wanted to play something completely different from Nova. I decided that I haven't played Imperial Squadrons in a while, so I was going to do that. And I've been doing all sorts of variations on this for the last, like, two weeks. But the major incentive for this list is going to sound dumb, and it is. My wife does me the incredible favor of painting my ships. So, if you've seen the picture of my Chimera floating around... It, it, it's this. It's the pattern that FFG sent the ship out with, but she repainted it so the hull is now white, and then the the dragon tentacle monster the hydra, th 
Okay, that's not a chimera. <laughs> like, mythologically, a chimera, it's closer to a hydra, okay? Um, the monster on the ship... This is also Star Wars. It's space alternate thing, so it's a Star Wars chimera. In any case, the space monster decal is a bronze gold color, and I, and I absolutely love it. But she recently repainted a quasar for me and a victory in the same white with gold and black highlights on them. So I'm like, all right, I got to use a Vic. Okay, how, the, how do I use a Vic? I haven't flown these things since the ISD came out, okay? How do I use this thing? And I had to find, well, I mean, a Quasar can go in any list. You just got to have squadrons. So all right, I'm flying a squadron list. What's something different? And I'm like, all right, just for just for the hell of it, we're going to bring a bunch of bombers. So I had Rhymer, five generic bombers. Which is a phenomenally destructive group. Yeah. Uh, and then the five swarm aces I mentioned earlier. So Howlrunner, Mauler, Sienna, Vol, and Saber playing escort. So that's 11 squadrons. That's five deployments just out of fighters. And it's like, all right, I've brought six bombers. The math breaks even... Well, the math breaks even on the upgrade bomber command center at four bombers. This is when the rollover of it's better to buy BCC than another TIE bomber. I already had six, so BCC was a shoe-in. It's like, all right, I've got a Gazanti, BCC, boosted comms. And then a Gazanti comms net because it's a Gazanti. And comms then, nets are super helpful. Yep. Uh, navigate tokens cover a multitude of tactical sins. <laughs> um, just like close air support. And then, so for the fighters, the fighters really like having flight controllers to make them really hurt. It's like, all right, I need a flight controller's platform. So it was a Quasar with Captain Brunson, expanded hangar bay so I could move five squads at a time, the whole group. Boosted comms, I'm activating them at long range. That lets the Quasar stay mostly out of danger, kept it alive. Uh, and then flight controllers, and then squall. For that extra push-out attack. Well, it, 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 sometimes sometimes the squall's really good for getting the alpha. What I found it's more useful for in this particular list is just managing 11 squadrons. Because frequently toward the late game, so early game, yeah, I'm using it to put Mauler where Mauler needs to be so he can splash everybody. Late game, it's, oh, I can't activate this bomber. Squall, put him in Rhymer range. Oh, I can't activate this TIE fighter. Squall, he's now in range. We're fine now. Um, and then the victory was Mahdi, Minister to uh, Electronic Countermeasures, because I like being able to brace. Not that I ever braced all day. Um... Thanks, Avenger. Like I said, two Sloan lists. Boosted comms, just to let the fighters spread out. Again, I've got 11 of them. They end up all over the place. Boosted comms, link turbo laser towers for some dice control. External racks for that emergency, no, please, no, die now, so the Vic doesn't. And then Harrow and fighter coordination teams. Again, just, I'm trying to manage 11 squadrons here. That's a ton of stuff. The ability to move the victory and then grab three bombers and just be like, mm, what if you were here, here, and here? But it also forgives a lot of, like, say in the case that there's a big clump and you land on some of your stuff. Yep, I've, it has saved my bacon more than once. Like, oh, you landed on these squadrons. Oh, they all jumped to the back. And I was like, nah, FCT says they're back. Around most the sides, of, at yeah. least, yeah. Yeah, they, they end up ever so slightly in front of the shield dial on a medium. Mm -hmm. And that's half of the distance they lost. And with Rhymer giving me that extra inch, two inches for close range, that's frequently more than enough to get them where they need to be. It's also super convenient when I have, there's no enemy squadrons, and I can just reach out and be like, yeah, you're going to jump on the station and get a hull back from that flag. No, come on, yeah, Rhymer, you're back up to five. Mahler, you're back up to two. That saved my bacon in both of the Sloan games. Oh, sure, yeah. Where I would kill the squadrons, like, all right, their squads are dead, but they can still flack me. Everybody go to the station, heal up, and then come back into the fight. Right. Um, so I flew that, lost the bid all three games, because that turns out to be a 397-point list. And Which I played, can win bids around here, but not always. Uh, my first player, my first opponent thought... We thought at the time his bid was like 390. 
turns out his bid was 400 but it didn't end up mattering. Tell us about that. <laughs> well, so I looked at his list and I decided that it was an Assault Frigate with Sato and Boosted Comms and then a Pelta with All Fighters Follow Me, Fighter Coordination Team, also Boosted Comms, that was the other thing, also Boosted Comms. Yavaris and fighter coordination teams on an escort. The Pelta was a command Pelta. And then a GR-75 with, I think, just BCC on it. That sounds right. Sounds right. And then 130, you said 128 in squads? Some, some, around 130, yeah. Because it was Dagger, B-Wing, Corrin Dutch, two X's, Rogue, a Z... And a VCX, a yep. Z95, and a VCX. Now, who's the player you were playing against? Eric. 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 I don't know. I don't remember Sunderland. his name. Sunderland. Sunderland. I'm not a local around here. I'm just going to trust you. Sure. Um, but I looked at his list, and I, I had a sneaking suspicion that if this area was a squadron light, as Ted told me, I could be able to flip one of his objectives on him. So I took Fighter Ambush, and then deployed in such a way that the TIE Fighters could not be engaged if he deployed off the obstacles, but the Bombers could be. And then that's exactly what he did. The Bombers were all the way forward. They were basically in my face on my Bombers, but the TIEs were unengaged. So the TIEs, first activation, first round, they just dove on them. And that fight took, it took two rounds for me to get the bombers clear. Uh, and the VCX still wasn't dead. <laughs> At the same time, though, it was round two and neither of you were flying particularly fast, I don't think. No, he was coming at me at about speed two. Uh, the Vic was moving at speed two, which is not exactly like a hoofing it. And then the Quasar and the Gazantes were both at speed one because they had nowhere to be. The fight was in the fight that they cared about was in front of them. Mm -hmm. There was no point in like diving into the middle and throwing squadrons everywhere and wrecking the engagement. So they just kind of turtled along in the back, and then eventually the bombers got clear and they just started tearing into the tie aces took down Yavaris, an irony I thought was hilarious. Um, Yavaris, I don't think, took damage from a ship. Oh, wow. Uh, it was just the five tie aces hitting it again and again and again and again in that side arc. Yeah, that ends up. And then the bomber, the bombers and Harrow worked together to bring down his assault frigate and to bring down the Pelta. And fighter ambush tokens were everywhere. And then, and then I actually played your first round opponent, Faith, so if you want to talk about his list. Oh, yeah. So first round, I played against Liam uh, from Shakopee. Really delightful guy. Shakopee's a suburb of Minneapolis. Kind of oh, south. no, barely a suburb. It's, it's outer southwest. It's, it's like 30 it's, to 40 minutes away. It's, that counts as a suburb, usually. So it's it's outer outer side, but... For those of you that are not from the area and listening, he's Minneapolis adjacent. Yeah, so in the state. Yep. But anyway, uh, he was playing an ISD Sloan Met list with a Stronghold Quasar and about a million TIE Fighters. That's a good estimate. Yeah. Um, because I was going to say, if I recall the list, and both of you correct me if I get something wrong here, Zertic, Zertic Dengar... Because counter one on everything is obnoxious. Yeah. <laughs> um, Saber Squadron, because every now and again you just need to kill somebody with counter. Mm -hmm. And then seven generic TIE Fighters. And wait for it, ladies and gentlemen. Three reserve hangar necks floating around. So oh, effectively yeah. ten. Well, I never actually got to the reserve <laughs> hangar decks. He didn't need them with me. Um, we actually played Superior Positions, which was... One of my objectives, which, thinking back on it, I probably shouldn't have taken. Because um, I wasn't... That's a, that's one of those li or objectives where having a lot of squadrons is good. Because they get into that... Because you get bonus points for... Um, damage on the rear arc. damage on the rear arc. 
and squadrons are really good at positioning to that and just racking them up. He ended up with 11 victory tokens, which at 15 points became 165 mm-hmm. victory points. Quickly, yep. Which totally made up for the Quasar, which I did manage to destroy. Yeah. But still, I did end up tabled my... Squadrons were able to hold off his for maybe two rounds, just with Biggs sharing the damage. There was a huge just TIE fighter mosh pit in the center of the board. Of the Biggs band? Of the Biggs, yeah. Coming to celebrate the Biggs band until Biggs Biggs and friends had to leave. And then they just went after my ships. And... Yeah, my hubris got the better of me because I ended up kind of doing a question mark with my scout frigate and my uh, CR-90. I should have had them just fly off into the sunset once I realized I was going to lose and try to get, you know... Save those points. Save those tournament points. But I thought, no, maybe I can swing back and I can pop external racks... Oh, so you got in close, close. Yeah, I got back. I got back in range. And I really shouldn't have. Um, And there's definitely judgment calls that you make like that that you can look at and say, oh, right, that, hmm. you know, this other ship died a little faster than I was expecting, and my positioning on the second ship that was going to come in and support or flank is now suddenly very bad. Um, Yeah, so that was kind of my mistake. I ended up... Uh, being tabled, but it was still a really fun and dynamic yeah, game. Yeah, you guys seemed to be having a good time when I was dropping by. Mm-hmm. So I, I pulled him the second game, um, and I was very grateful for it because he reminded me of a mistake I didn't make in my third game. But, um, yeah, I, I'm not usually a big fan of Stronghold. I don't think it's great. And I'll be honest, this list is one of the only times I've ever seen it, and I thought he got five points worth out of it. Um, but what basically happened against me is that he made he made the he made the same call that my other Sloan opponent did, which is that he divided his forces. Some of his ties came after my ties, and didn't actually kill any of them. And then some of them went for the bombers, and he did get a bomber, but. By the time the bomber died, I had killed Zertik and Dengar and Saber with Abandon. And I had started working on the rest of the generic ties. And I tried to kill the RHDs before they went off. I didn't. So it was just, oh, yeah, you killed that TIE fighter. He's now over there with two-thirds of the work back on him. I was like, great. Thanks for nothing. But I ended up winning Squadron Superiority, and then he ended up blowing up Harrow. I lost count of my damage cards. I thought I was sitting on 9. Ted looked over, counted again, and I was on 10. So I was like, all right, well, there goes that ship. By the time all was said and done, the only ship on the table was my Quasar. He got both of the Gazantes, and that Quasar had uh, five hull damage on it and no shields. It was... Yeah, if, you had, if he had had... Any if Brunson left. If Brunson hadn't been there oh, to, yeah, keep, to keep consistently grabbing a blue and just being like, oh, you rolled three? Brunson says two, braces one, redirect. Yeah. I did that three rounds back to back, which kept the ship alive. Yeah. Um, what actually also really wrecked me was the Sloan Avenger combo. Because he was running Avenger, so he was just knocking out my defense. Yeah, we, we haven't, again, since we've had a sort of squadron like meta, I'd say since a little before the Superstar Destroyer came out, people have just been mixing it up, and our really regular squadron players had kind of been like, you know what, I need a break from squadron, I'm going to do some other stuff, or they just had different ideas. Squadrons kind of were dying off in here, and so seeing Sloan Avenger was something that kind of disappeared for almost a year. And then all of a sudden you see it again, you're like, oh, right, this thing is really bad and I don't appreciate getting hit by it. Do not want. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think, I think that was the thing that, so uh, Liam got my victory and then my second game, or my third game, excuse me, because Liam was my second game, my third game, my second Sloan game, the Vic survived on one hull point. 
And in both games, Avenger was very critical. And what if you just couldn't brace? Great. I went to all that effort to bring Tua and ECM so I could brace. And you just walk up and it's like, here's boarding troopers. Here's a TIE fighter. You don't have a brace anymore. Thanks. Yeah, well, and that and that's the other thing that my list doesn't like about Sloane. That I think the rest of the meta can deal with her is that my list needs time to work. So do Sloan lists. Sloan lists are not burst lists. They're damage over time. They're trying to strip your tokens. Yep. Until that, be, until Avenger comes in. And, and until Avenger comes in. Make something. Yeah. But they still need time to... They need time to clear the squads out. Enemy squads out. And then blow off braces, blow off redirects, whatever they're there to do. And my list needs that time for the bombers to do damage to their targets. Yeah. So I was not... Twice my hero squared off against an ISD, and twice it did its job and died very slowly so the bombers could do theirs. <laughs> wow. So then third, or sorry, second round, I went against Tim, who had come up from Des Moines, Iowa, and he was running an ISD with Jerjerod and Brunson, and then two Architens and a Gazanti. And he had a handful of squadrons. And again, they chose my objective and they chose superior positions, which ultimately came out to my advantage. I only got one victory token out of it, but he got none. But I got points can be a, a make or break between a score bracket. But I got the um, deployment uh, advantage there. Because with that, oh, yep. first player has to deploy first, and then second player can deploy. So I was able to position my ships pretty well. His squadrons got tied down by Biggs and crew. He had some tight defenders, yes? I believe so, yes. Okay. So yeah, they got tied down, and I was able to get really good positioning on his uh, ISD, and was able to destroy that about midway through the game. Okay. So and then was able to... Yeah, round three or four. And then was able to just sidle on up and destroy some Architens. So I did end up tabling him. Ar Arcs but... really don't like handling battleships. They're they're very much a light cruiser. No. They, like, they like small attacks. They like being shot at from long range. And then they roll up to an Akbar MC-80 and it's just like, oh, that's 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 eight dice. That's nine dice. Mm -hmm. This is bad. Yeah. <laughs> but what also helped me was I had Akbar and my Jaina's Light Leia comsnet kind of hiding behind him. Just hiding behind Dad. Constantly giving engineering. Yep, so I was just constantly, for the last three rounds, it was just engineering, regaining any kind of shields I'd lost. I think I had maybe, I think I had a crit go off on, oh yes, I did have a crit go off on um, Akbar, and it was, I forget the name, but the one where you can't shoot at long range. And for um, a hot second there, it was... Depowered oh, armament, yep, depowered armament, that's it. And for a hot second, just thinking, ah, oh, yes, I'm safe. Very next round, first thing we do. Engineering. Engineering. Yep. That is gone. Uh, yeah, that makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. I dropped, I dropped a depart armament on an opponent recently who has a, on, on a CR-90, triple-A's rear route circuits, and then said, well, you can come into blue range of anything larger than you if you'd like. And promptly evaporate. Yeah, it, I don't think it did, but... And I will say one thing. This tournament had a staggering amount of 10-1 games in it. Oh, yeah. There were lots of... There were five Superstar Destroyers out of the 22 players, but also just a lot of landslide victories. Often by small margins, like your your game... I say, there was, there was literally one hull point between the 10... Or the 9-2 I got... And the 6-5, my favorite, would have been if he had gotten the mutual table, yep. the mutual table, yep. And then, similarly, my last game, Harrow got away on one hull point. It's a 130-ish point ship. Yeah. Would have dragged the 10-1. I think it only would have dragged it down to a 9-2, but point stands. Right. Oh. 
And who did you play third round? I played Tom... Gall. Thank you. Very nice, older gentleman. Um, also Sloan, bit more conventional. Two defenders, Howl, Sienna, Suntir, Jendin, Merrick. Yep. And then an ISD Kuat with boarding troopers, Avenger, external racks. Again, not what Hera wants to deal with, because that's a guaranteed no brace. And potentially no redirects either. So, potentially, oh, yeah, but, but yeah, I have yeah, ECMs. ECMs, that's right. So, it was, the way it worked out was, he's like, alright, what do I what do I flip here? And his choices are, flip both redirects, and then I'm guaranteed to brace because ECM. Or flip the brace, flip a redirect, and I just redirect. Um, so, he flipped the brace and a redirect. I spent the other one. He got, I think, three hull damage through... But, which is a respectable shot. Which is a respectable shot, but on a Mahdi VSD, it's, I was in pain, especially because the crit was capacitor failure, so my redirects were now worthless. Oh, yep. But the ship was still there. Yeah. I, I, think, I think what made the game work for me against Tom was that, for reasons not entirely clear to me, Tom slow-rolled the Kuat, it came in, it, it didn't accelerate to speed two until after Avenger boarding troopers, which was round, I think it was round four, Yeah, um, which is unusually late in my experience. So I had all of this time to kill his fighters and then get the bombers and all of the, all of my fighters in front of the ISD and just keep shooting. Mm -hmm. So by the time Avenger arrived, all of its shields were gone save a, hand, a couple, like, I think he had three shields left on two zones between them. Yeah. And then I had already put, like, two hull damage on the ship. So he runs up to an untouched Harrow, hits it, and then Harrow looks it in the eye and is just like, okay, here's my volley back. Bombers keep bombing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the Kuat needed, that, that was what I was talking about, Kuat's the being, and Kuat's need to get in, kill a target, get out. And it just slow rolled. I think he was hoping his fighters would make the bombers, would actually tie them down longer than they did. But they didn't. Right. And as soon as it was, as soon as it became clear that I was going to win the squadron game, I don't know why he didn't accelerate into Harrow. And even if he didn't kill it, cripple it, get behind it, it's a victory. It's never turning around, even with Harrow. And then just leave. Sure, yeah. Wow. The, and then you played the and other then, Gaul. Yeah, I played uh, Tom's son, Ian, and he was running an SSD and an interdictor. And it was just those two ships. I mean, and the fact that they got it's a super. an interdictor <laughs> in there also is a feat of points management. Oh, yeah. Say, I think I've seen some lists, but I don't think I've ever seen that list where it wasn't a command prototype to make it work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, we actually ran the objective blockade run, which was super interesting because in that objective, you start on the short ends of the board. So you're going the, the long way on the board. Going the long way. Hallway fight. Hallway fight. <laughs> um, and so we didn't realize this until about round two. It's like round two or three that, two I, or three that I came by and discussed it. Yeah, but apparently in the rules, even with blockade run, your SSD needs to be touching the edge of the map when it deploys. I'm actually kind of glad that we didn't do that, because otherwise we probably wouldn't have started exchanging shots until round six. Yep, we would have been... Yep, I, I've, done, I've done the practice with a super on blockade run. If the other player doesn't leave their deployment zone, the super will never get a shot off. It's, yeah. it's too slow. Yeah. And I think there's that, I mean, the clause that's meant to keep the super from ending up across the entire table with its deployment rules ends up really biting it on blockade run. And I could see that being something that they could it was, potentially... It's an oversight. It's an oversight. I could see them maybe eroding that or FAQing that. Yeah. But, but uh, it, ultimately, it was... It, it made for an interesting game. That Yeah, until an errata happens, if it happens, that is not one that you want to pick for your list if you have an SSD. Yeah. 
Um, staring at each other for six rounds as you move at speed two <laughs> to start trading blows. Yeah, but um, so what actually ended up happening was I kind of out, I out-deployed him with the two ships and my pretty much five deployments. So I put everything on the opposite side of the interdictor and just focused on one side of the SSD and actually managed to take it down without losing anything. And that was a lot of, you know, shooting with the broadsides. I was able to get... I was first player, so I was able to get... Um, out of those arcs that you didn't want to be in. Out of those arcs, I was able to get um, my scout to come in, pop external racks, and leave. And also, because I was the only one with squadrons, I just planted all three X-Wings right on the nose, and they just kept getting bumped forward. Without some pretty extreme turning, a Super Star Destroyer cannot... Well, I think with his interdictor position, he probably wasn't able to even turn if he wanted to, because he would have rammed the interdictor and then just ended up going straight again onto your X-Wings. And taking extra hull damage for his trouble. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I did end up taking out the... SSD, I didn't get any actual there hull are... damage on the interdictor. Yeah, did you even shoot it? I think I got some shields off of it. Yeah. Interdictors I... are, though, also a I can't be sure, yeah. rather durable ship. Yeah, there, there was no way I was going to kill that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I was able to kill the SSD, but he wasn't able to destroy... The, the Corvette was limping towards sure. the end, so that one... I learned from my first game, and he flew off into the sunset. And, uh... You weren't yeah. playing Solar Corona, though. I know, I should do that. <laughs> but yeah, so and it ended up being Matt, a 10-1 for busy. me. Uh, I'll be okay. That's not the worst Armada pun I think I've even heard today. Um, or no, so the, the, best, the best Armada, Armada pun I've had is, so... I flew into town last night, um, and, uh... Andy Graber, Graber. his last yeah. name. He came over, we hung out for a little while, and uh, we played a, basically a demo game. My Nova list against the list he won the Chicago Regional, or Prime. They're Primes now, but they're also Regionals. You know, the same yeah. thing. Yeah, so we played those two lists together. Um, turns out my Nova list hates bombers. Who to thunk a squadronless list? Not like he bombers. Um... But and you lost the squadron bomber and no squadron rock paper scissors. Yeah, pretty much. But the now I forgot my original point here. Um, that ended in a mutual tabling. Hondo. Oh, Hondo. That's my new favorite Armada pun. Is I had I had Hondo in my I had a Gazanti with Hondo and a Gazanti without. So when I'm playing, I just call it the Gazanti with Hondo. I just say that I just call it Hondo. And Ten was like, all right, so you got Hondo and Hondo, right? That's the name of that ship for the rest of the time I play this game. Um, <laughs> I'm so proud. Cool. So in the end, Matt, you came out as our big winner with first place. With a list I didn't think could do it, to be totally honest. <laughs> and I actually managed to take six this time. Yeah. Woo! Yeah, I'm really... Submarined my way to the top. <laughs> I mean, there that is one thing with the Swiss system in Armada is if you t- you can take a pretty, take a pretty big nasty drawing. round one loss, but that can also drop you into a place where you're playing other people who took nasty losses that you might have an advantage against um, with matchups or uh, skill experience. I know I've definitely had tournaments where I went in and it's like, oh, first round I run into like Andy or Ian and get... Demolished. Demolished. And then uh, next round I play someone who this is their first tournament and I eat them. <laughs> and Yeah, I, I mean, like, so my Nova experience is the same thing. My first round was an 8-3 in the other guy's favor. So that's, that's a drubbing, but because Nova was a five-round event day one, thank God it was a carpeted room. <laughs> I could still walk when I got home, thank God. But... I went from 8-3, so I fell... I didn't fall all the way to the bottom table, but I was like three or four tables from the bottom. And then I got a string of 10-1s, and I got below all the good players, and then all of a sudden I jumped all the good players, Mm -hmm. 
Thanks, Lobster Bowl effect. Yes, uh, submarine is submarining in Lobster Bowl is something that is one of my biggest peeves with the Armada tournament system. Coming from a system of like back when I was playing War Machine, where if you won or you lost was more the the dynamic there. Margin of victory only came up, or armies or points destroyed only came up if you were tying with someone for number of wins. Yeah, I, well, I I like it because it incentivizes aggressive play. True. It incentivizes the players to engage and to actually fight, even when they're losing the battle. Um, sometimes you don't want to run away. Sometimes you're like, all right, well, I'm losing, but I can still trade this 50-point raider for that 70-point Arquitans or that 90-point Assault Frigate. And close the gap a little bit. And close the gap a little bit. But I also think it rewards players who can truly finish a win. It doesn't reward dancing around each other for six rounds and at the end running out and killing a TIE fighter. It rewards fighting to the bitter end and not winning and then stopping. It rewards you for finishing the game. Mm-hmm. And and conversely from the side of the the losing player is it rewards the the level of level-headedness mm-hmm. and skill required to look at a situation and go, I'm losing. How do I lose the least? Yeah. What can I escape with? Uh, I had an experience with this in Atlanta two years ago where I deployed my ships. I was on table one, and I deployed against the other guy. I watched the other guy deploy, and I'm just like, this game's over. Like, it was an Akbar list. My Star Destroyers were out of position. He was going to run up behind me, and it was he was just going to rake me. I'm like, all right, here's how this game is going to go. And the flagship ISD ran because I knew that if it escaped... It would be a 4-7 his way if I gave up. The way it worked out is flagship got out, the rest of my ships died, and I got one of his cruisers. I think I got one of his assault frigates. Sure. So by the time the points were totaled up, that was a 4-7, as opposed to the 10-1 that could have happened if he had been able to catch my flagship screaming off into the distance as fast (laughs) as she could. Well, altogether, really awesome tournament. I'm so... Glad that we were able to get so many people from out of town. And we also had a really awesome T.O. and Judge. He's all right. Yeah, round of applause for Ted for running the event. Yeah, this this was my first Primes run. I've run a couple store champs and a lot of uh, casual trends. But I I had a lot of fun. We had a manageable amount of players, I would say. Um, And it ran smoothly. There were Mm -hmm. no entry errors. Tome didn't die on you. There was no major drama between people was all a very well-run event that just went. It was very nice. Thank you. Um, and I will say one thing. That is one thing with the Armada community at large is that it's such a generally easygoing, friendly community. There's there's stakes that we're playing for. You know, you get the fun prize support stuff. I mean, world's tickets are a pretty big deal. Um, or world's entry is a pretty big deal now that it's invite-only. Um but at the end of the day, a lot of us are, how did one of the Canadians put it a while ago? We're competitive casuals. Yeah. Like, we're all, we're all here to play the game. We're here to roll dice and blow stuff up. And I have not met an Armada player. Even at Worlds, nobody was trying to gotcha you. Yeah. You know, everybody wanted, everybody was there to play the game. Play a clean game. Play a clean especially. game. And, and, and maybe maybe you would be... You would make sure your opponent did follow the rules, but at the end of the game, you're like, hey, man, that was a great game, and you just turn to talking about the game. Nobody's super secretive about how their list works. Everybody's yeah. everybody's willing to talk and learn. It's really great. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, so, yeah, I, I think that makes it really great. Um, top four we had, we had Matthew, and we had Andy in second place. Um, so he, was, he did quite well. Uh, then we had Nick Latrina from Chicago, and yep, he he took second at Nova, and Jack Otto, um, also from Chicago, who is the one that ends up with the world's ticket because yep. Nick and he, I both have one from Nova, and then Andy won Chicago last week, and it, uh, thankfully FFG decided that if the winner already has an invite, it just rolls down the roster until it finds someone without one. In this case, Jack. Yep. Dang it! If he had one, 
You would have needed had one. I would have been. I was gonna say you needed both him and Nick to have one. We're kind of early in the season for quite that many. Yeah, <laughs> but by the time we get to Des Moines, we'll see. Maybe. Well, maybe I'll have a chance. But yeah, February first mm-hmm. and February twenty second. So February first is the Des Moines Primes. February twenty second is a second Chicago Primes. That information is is floating around. I can. That's maybe. that's it's scheduled. Yep, it's it's scheduled. You can look on FFG at the prime schedules. The first is also the Atlanta Prime. If anybody listening, that's easier for you to get to. I highly recommend it. Jamie Naismith is a great TO. Gigabytes is a fantastic store. I absolutely loved all the time I got to spend there. Um, and Atlanta has the advantage of with Gigabytes is the only big store between it. Knoxville, New Orleans, Tallahassee, and like Raleigh, North Carolina. Sure. So we pull a ton of people from South Carolina, a ton of people from Alabama. Some of the Floridians usually drive up. Some folks drive down from Tennessee. So it's usually a big event. It's a lot of fun. It's a great time. If that's easier for you guys to go to, like by all means, come visit these guys at Des Moines. <laughs> but Atlanta's also going to be going on. And Atlanta's also probably not going to be put have three feet of snow on it. No, we usually don't. Um, <laughs> we usually shut down around three inches. We don't. We don't believe in snow in Atlanta. So when it happens, we just kind of have a connection. <laughs> all right. Well, that is all the time we have for today. I'm Moff Ted. I'm Senator Faith. And I'm Admiral Matthew. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at affm. Official. And you can find episodes in other formats and other uh, podcasts and articles on Armchair Adventures. All right. Thanks for listening and may the force be with you.